Hey there, everyone. This is your host, Michelle Ann Olson, and you are listening to Are You Afraid of the Bark? The podcast that goes bark in the night. Welcome, dear listeners, to episode 21 of the podcast. I'm back after a week's hiatus. So much for those New Year's resolutions, right? We're at about the time of the month in January where New Year's resolutions, at least my New Year's resolutions, tend to fall out the window. And my resolution for this podcast was to be consistent and to record a new episode every Friday, no matter what. I wanted to finish 2019 with just an even 52 new episodes by year's end. And here we are just a few weeks into January. Last week, I was really unwell. I could not record this episode 21. I broke my New Year's resolution way sooner than I thought I would. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about breaking my resolution. I'm sorry about missing a week. I'm back now. I'm here. I'm back. Welcome to episode 21. When I last left you two weeks ago with episode 20, that came on the heel of our episode about dog urban legends, some real classics in there. And then I followed up that episode with an exploration of urban legends about cats and found that there were less traditional urban legends revolving around cats. And and so I set about debunking some of the strange sort of myths and superstitions surrounding cats, really painting them as the villain across cultures. But since that time, I've done a little bit more research into, I really wanted to give cats their due and see if I could find stories, spectacular, creepy, borderline true stories about cats that rivaled those classic urban legends about dogs that I shared in episode 19, like the dog's lick. So many of you actually reached out and told me that you remembered that story clearly from your own childhoods, that it was a favorite of yours, that it creeps you out to this day, very disturbing story. I really wanted to find some stories that had a similar feel, really creeptastic, but that featured cats. I just feel that they have been left out of this whole deep dive into urban legends. So what I have for you today, I tweaked my search criteria a little bit, and what I was able to find were some really fantastic and fantastically creepy, creepy pasta specifically about cats. So I touched on this in episode 19. A creepy pasta is an internet-born story. It's fictional. It's made up by a writer, somebody who maybe dabbles in horror writing, who's responding to a prompt or just presenting something that's purely from their imagination, but that is presented in a way online where the story is purported to be true. It's written typically very realistically. It's written as having happened to the author or to a friend or family member of the author, a co-worker, and in that ways is similar to the urban legend, but the author is creating the story. It is, it, it is fictional, but online we see this phenomenon where these 
fictional horror stories do tend to take on a life of their own. And a lot of the people who enjoy creepypasta, who seek out these stories, who disseminate these stories, seem to suspend disbelief a little bit and almost trick themselves into believing that these stories really happened. And I think that's where the fun in reading a good creepypasta comes from. Maybe by the time it comes to you, it's been repeated a few times, shared on multiple forums. People aren't sure anymore if it's true or not. And and there's that possibility in the back of your mind that it really did happen. And that's what makes for a really good creepypasta. These legends that were born and exist purely online. And I mentioned in episode 19 that this can be dangerous when people buy into these clearly fictional accounts like Slenderman and the two girls who attempted to murder their friend a few years ago, believing or pretending to believe that Slenderman, who emerged from one of these creepypasta forums, had ordered them to do so. Obviously, buying into these legends can have that that very dark and dangerous undertone. But I think that enjoying these online urban legends with a grain of salt and sort of tongue in cheek and with the understanding that they were created by somebody who's trying to scare you. Reading these stories, especially in the dark, maybe by the light of my cell phone screen, does bring me back to that feeling that I had when I was in grade two, taking out something like scary stories to tell in the dark from my school library and hiding it from my parents and reading it with a flashlight under my bed covers. That's the joy of the creepypasta. So all of that to say that I think it's a really unique phenomenon. And I was able to find for you today some really spooktastic creepypastas featuring cats. So it's time for cats to redeem themselves. It's time for cats to match with dogs as worthy subjects of creepy urban myths. Let's get started. The first creepypasta that I wanted to read to you is one called The Smiling Cat. Now, this creepypasta is attributed to somebody online with the username teddybear240. So there you go, Teddy Bear. I'm giving you due credit. This is the smiling cat. Again, this is being presented as a true story. I remember the first time I saw him. I was taking a night walk like I sometimes do. I was never scared to go out at night. My neighborhood never had any crime bigger than shoplifting or speeding. I was taking a walk through a local park and I had just sat down on a bench underneath a lamppost. This dark, black cat walked out in front of me. I thought I heard him purring, and he didn't seem like he was going to hurt me, so I reached out and started to pet him. He meowed and made cute little noises and purred. He began to purr louder and brush up against my leg, as cats do. He opened his mouth, not to meow, but he showed me his teeth like he was smiling for just a second, and then he closed it. Something made a rustle in a bush up ahead, and he bolted off. It was getting pretty late, so I started to walk home. I got to my door, and right as I put my key in the lock, I heard a meow from right behind me. I turned around, and there was that same cat, sitting up, looking at me with big green eyes. A scary green, almost neon. Now, I know you aren't supposed to feed wild animals, but I couldn't help it. He looked so hungry. So I went inside and hurriedly got a small paper plate and put some small slices of ham on it. I opened the door to give it to him, but he was gone. So I set the plate down right outside my front door. 
I made that sound that almost every cat comes to, but there was no trace of him. So I went to bed. That night I woke up to something tapping on my window. I would have been a bit scared had I not been too sleepy to comprehend anything. I turned over in my bed to see that same cat sitting up with those big green eyes right on my windowsill. He was definitely smiling now. I could see the slightest hint of white near his mouth, his teeth just barely showing. His tail was flailing happily, like it had a mind of its own, and bouncing against my window in the process. I didn't notice at that moment, but I realized something later that day. I always keep my blinds down and closed and my curtains over the window. But when I saw the cat, the curtains were parted and the blinds were up. So I woke that day, not even really fully remembering the sight of the cat, and got ready for my usual kind of day. Fast forward a few hours. I don't want to bother with all the details. I left my work, and there in the parking lot beside my car was that same cat, sitting and smiling with the green eyes that looked even larger than before, looking right at me. At this point, I knew something was up. I called animal control, and they came and caught him. When they were taking him away, he stared at me with eyes narrowed like he was plotting to kill me for giving him away. I had a lot more peace of mind for the rest of the day until that night. I didn't take a walk that night as I was a bit unnerved by the whole thing. In fact, I didn't even leave the house for the rest of the day. But right before I fell asleep, I could have sworn I heard pawing on my bedroom door. I dismissed it as my laundry machine, a mouse, or some other sound, but that morning I woke up to something terrifying. The cat was laying right there on the end of my bed, asleep, still with that smile that I had come to know as being demonic. I could even see a few teeth so long that they were sticking out of his mouth. I had had enough. I knew I would probably have animal rights people down my throat for what I was about to do, but I didn't care. I grabbed that cat by the neck, and he didn't scream or thrash around like a normal cat would. I threw him into the backyard and beat him to death with a shovel. Yikes. I don't like that at all. Throughout the whole ten-minute process, he did not meow or hiss even once. When I regained control of my thoughts and actions, the cat was no longer recognizable. I couldn't believe what I had done. Luckily, I wasn't expected at work, so I put his mangled body in a box, drove far out of the city, and buried it near a forest on the side of the road. Do you know why? Because I'm a jerk, and I was really shaken. I kept thinking about it. How had he gotten inside my bedroom, let alone my house? I got lunch from some fast food restaurant, and I went home to take a nap. I was exhausted. I guess I slept through the day, but I wish I had slept longer. I woke up on my own and was compelled to look at my window and saw something that has remained with me to this day. It was that cat with his damaged, mutilated body, smiling larger than ever before and staring right at me. His eyes were not bright green anymore. They were pitch black, as if his pupils had enlarged to fill his entire eye. He looked at me, and he started to dance, his broken limbs flailing about in an unnatural and horrifying manner, his left leg still bent the wrong way, his ear still torn. Every time he moved, some kind of sickening crack could be heard. Oh my god, this is really gross. 
I screamed and ran for my life, got in my car. I drove as far away from the city as possible. I'm now trying to start my life over in a new city, and I'll be damned if I ever interact with any wild animals ever again. But something stays in the back of my mind. If the cat was able to come back once, what's stopping it from coming back again? So there you have it. That is The Smiling Cat by Teddy Bear 240. It definitely had some creepy moments. The demonic smile, the corpse dancing, cracking, bloody cat in the window. Ugh, I don't know. That's an unpleasant image. The writing left a little bit to be desired, in my opinion. But when you're dealing with amateur horror authors on the internet, I guess that you win some and you lose some in that regard. So that, again, was the story of the smiling cat. Now, this story was repeated in an article about favorite ghost stories starring cats, an article written by one of my absolute favorite columnists on the whole of the internet, Louise Hung. She used to have this column, this recurring e-column on a now defunct online magazine. It was called Creepy Corner. And Louise Hung has had experiences with the paranormal all through her life. And she would call on her readers to share their experiences as well. And she no longer has that column because, like I said, the magazine is now defunct. But I follow her on other sites and social media. And she continues to write with a real focus on death and the death positive movement and the paranormal. So this was an article she wrote about her favorite ghost stories starring cats. I'm not entirely sure where she heard this one. She writes as though it's a story that she had heard time and time again, and that you might even know. So this story is coming from Louise Hung, but she doesn't claim to be the original author of the story by any means. A man and a woman got married. As married couples are prone to do, they moved in together after the wedding. All was wedded bliss except for one thing. The woman's beloved cat. The man hated the cat, and the cat hated the man. In objection to the man's presence in his home, the cat took to shredding the man's ties that he would toss over a chair in the bedroom when he got home from work. But the cat had come before the man and the woman was adamant that the elderly cat should live out his remaining years in the comfort of their home. So the man, to please his new wife, smiled, nodded, and agreed to try to remember to hang up his ties in the closet and to be kind to the ornery kitty. He did not have to submit to the cat for long. In a few short months, the old cat got sick and died. As he dutifully comforted his heartbroken wife, the man was secretly thrilled. He was once again the man of the house. That night, as he took off his tie after a long day at work, he gleefully draped it over the back of the bedroom chair, knowing that this time it would not be shredded. Climbing into bed and turning off the light, he thought he glimpsed a small shadow dart out the bedroom door, just as his wife's cat used to do. Chuckling to himself for seeing things, he turned over in bed and started to fall asleep. Just as he was drifting off, he could have sworn he heard the pitter-patter of little paws running around the bed. 
The next morning, the man got out of bed bright and early to get dressed for work. He took a shower, put on his trousers and shirt, and turned to the bedroom chair to get his tie. But upon reaching for it, the man froze. Like so many times before, the tie was shredded to pieces. Nung goes on to explain that she's not sure when she first heard that story, but that she's heard it multiple times from different sources. Has the makings of an urban legend or a creepypasta, for sure. So next, I bring to you a story called What the Cat Dragged In by an online author called Dystopica. Here we go. What the Cat Dragged In. Jake had no love for cats, especially the one in his home. Of course, it wasn't explicitly his cat, it was his roommate's, a black-and-white stray that he'd adopted a number of years ago. But since his roommate was away for a few weeks, the cat was Jake's responsibility. Each day he fed her, changed her water, cleaned out her litter box. Small additions to his daily routine that didn't actually require a lot of effort. No, the real effort came at night when the cat would get lonely. It happened almost like clockwork. Around 3 a.m., he'd hear her outside his bedroom door. Meow. 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 This plaintive, mewling cry that would grow more insistent the longer she was ignored, occasionally interrupted by the sound of her scratching, sadly beseeching, scritch, scritch, scratch, of her tiny claws scraping along the bottom edge of the door. Jake was allergic to cats and preferred to keep his bedroom door closed, but whenever her cries became unbearable to listen to, he'd open the door a crack, just enough to allow her to nose her way through. He'd see her eyes glow green in the darkness right before she'd leap up onto his bed and curl up beside him, this purring lump of teeth and claws and hair. He'd wake up sneezing or covered in hives, and no amount of over-the-counter antihistamine seemed to temper the aftermath. But it was better than hearing her cry all night. So it went like this, night after night, week after week, until one morning the cat simply vanished. Jake opened the can of cat food, assuming the sound would serve as her Pavlovian cue to creep out of hiding, but there was no response. Shrugging it off, he changed her water, cleaned out her litter box, and headed off to work. When he returned that evening, there was still no sign of her. Her food and water and litter box remained untouched. Slightly more alarmed, he poked around the small apartment. There weren't many places she could hide, and yet she still managed to find ways to disappear completely for stretches of time. But there was no sign of her anywhere. What would he tell his roommate when he returned? That night was largely sleepless as he kept waiting to hear her plaintive cries and pleading scratching outside his bedroom door, but all was quiet through the night. The next morning, he changed her food and water and went off to work. She had to come out eventually, he reasoned. At work, he searched the internet for advice on hiding cat. He learned that some cats hide when they're hunting, or scared, or dying. The larger takeaway seemed to be that it was something that most cats just do sometimes. They disappear and they return when it's convenient for them, so he tried to put it out of his mind. When he returned home that night, the cat's food bowl was empty. Her water dish was bone dry. He breathed a sigh of relief and looked around expectantly, but he still couldn't see her anywhere. He didn't bother poking around for her. He'd lost enough sleep over her. In just a few more days, she'd be his roommate's problem again. But that night, around 3 a.m., he woke up to that familiar sound. Meow. Meow. 
Scritch, scritch, scratch. He tuned it out as he allowed himself to drift off again, a small act of defiance to refuse to cater to the fickle whims of his roommate's cat for one measly night. Meow. Scritch, scritch, scratch. Meow. Scritch, scritch, scratch. Tonight, her mewling cries were almost like white noise, lulling him to sleep. He turned away from the door and found a cooler spot on his pillow to lay his head. Bang! 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 The entire door suddenly shuddered against the pounding force of whatever stood on the other side. Jake was no longer asleep. He sat up and stared at his bedroom door. For a while, it remained silent, and he began to wonder if he had just a met. Bang! 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 He approached the door and opened it, just a crack, and retreated to his bed with grim anticipation. For a small eternity, nothing happened. And then the door creaked open, and a pair of nocturnal eyes glowed through the darkness, much larger than the ones he was accustomed to seeing. The familiar purring sound was replaced with something that sounded more like growling. The creature stood on scaly hind legs and looked down on him. The cat had brought something back with it, from whatever unknowable dimension it had visited. The creature leaped onto his bed and curled up beside him. A heartbeat before long, exotic teeth sank into his throat. Jake imagined it must have been from hell. Ooh, I don't know about that one, but it was really well written. I quite enjoyed it. I liked it. And I, I, I hope you did too. It was very well written. So again, that credit for that creepypasta goes to some online author, some user named Dystopica. So I wanted to wrap up this episode by talking, giving you the rules for a game. I don't know if you ever played these games when you were in elementary school, they were a big deal at my Catholic elementary school. Games where we would try to make one another levitate. What's the one where you pretend to crack an egg on somebody's head and the yolk runs down and the yolk runs down. And then these games are meant to perform magic or you, you feel strange sensations of levitation was a big one or your you feel your arms raising against your will and we were like oh my god it's magic it's black magic it's a ghost being catholic school girls it's the devil um these were really huge <laughs> in my elementary school we probably had too much time on our hands but i wanted to round up this urban legend-esque creepypasta episode by giving you the rules to a game called Cat Scratch, also known as Cat Scratches or the Black Cat Scratch. I found this on the internet and a lot of sites claim that it's a fun game for kids to play at sleepovers. Although I feel like it's the kind of thing that I would have taken altogether too seriously in elementary school. And if it had worked, that probably would have made me shit my pants. So here we go. The rules to Cat Scratch. You need at least two people to play cat scratch. So step one, you sit down on the floor. Your friend lies on the floor on their back with their head in your lap. Everyone else sits around in a circle. Step two, you rub the person's temples in a soothing motion as you tell them a scary story about a cat. And here's the story. 
There once was an old lady who owned a cat. The cat was very nice. It meowed and purred. One day the cat got hit by a car and died. Cat scratch, cat scratch, cat scratch. The old lady got a new cat. The cat was very mean. It hissed and clawed. Cat scratch, cat scratch, cat scratch. One day, the cat got hit by a car and died. The old lady decided to not get any more cats. Cat scratch, cat scratch, cat scratch. So step three, the person gets up quickly and you pull up the back of their shirt. Red claw marks will appear on the person's bare back, but they won't feel a thing. And that's the game. So yeah, that sounds exactly like the weird games we played in elementary school. Where if anything appeared, any marks on our body, or like if we appeared to do anything against our will, we were super 100% convinced that it was supernatural or the devil, and we got spooked and probably ran screaming out of the bathroom, which is where these games were inevitably played. So have fun. If you play Cat Scratch, let me know if it works. In the comments, it really did work, says Ghoul Girl 99 I tried it on my brother and it worked says another user. And then <laughs> finally, T-Bean says, I don't need this. I already get enough scratches from my cats. So on that note, I'm going to wrap up this episode 21. I hope that you enjoyed it. A little bit of an odd episode, but I definitely got a shiver or two while reading those stories to you, those creepypasta to you. I try not to read these stories too, too closely before reading them here on the air, as it were so that I can get any genuine reaction out of reading them. And uh, I definitely had a few chills, especially with that that last one. I, I liked the onomatopoeia there. Meow. Scritch, scritch, scratch. Anyway, so this does conclude episode 21. I'd like to thank you very much for joining me. Hopefully we're back on track now. Hopefully for the rest of 2019, there's some optimism for you. As always, you can reach out to me in a number of ways. If you'd like to get in touch with any feedback, if you would like to share your own paranormal animal stories, if you have any suggestions for future episodes, if you want to talk about anything at all, please, you can reach out at afraidofthebarkpodcast at gmail.com. On Facebook, the podcast page is AYAOTB Podcast. On Instagram, we are Afraid of the Bark podcast and on Twitter, simply Afraid of the Bark. So thank you very much for joining me for this creeptastic episode 21. As always, it's been a pleasure. And as always, I would like to wish you simply sweet dreams tonight. <laughs>